everyone. I'm here to give you a high-level over overview of, the, of a new revenue recognition standard coming your way. The new standard is a, a, a converged standard in that all U.S. GAAP industries and also international, um, international reporting standards is now in one standard. So for some of my internationally active clients, this is a welcome change as maintaining two sets of books for international standards and U.S. GAAP standards was complex and costly. For most of us, this standard will be effective for calendar years 2019 and for fiscal years 2020. And so I'm sharing this with you now as it is expected that most industries will be impacted because of the conversions of all the different industries that are in here. The standard is fairly comprehensive. It weighs in at about 300 pages. And it has a new framework for us to deal with, with a number of new definitions and concepts. As I mentioned earlier, just about every organization should be impacted. But for some organizations, not every revenue source will be. And so for those that have only contribution as, a, as their only source of revenue, you can all breathe easy as you, it will not apply. Exchanges, however, will apply. And examples of exchange transactions include tuition and fees, membership dues, licenses, healthcare revenues, and continuing care retirement communities. So a lot of the terminology has changed in the new standard in that the word exchange is being replaced with a contract with a customer. Donations that have components of both contributions and exchanges would then need to be bifurcated under the new standard. And one example of this would be an alumni program where there's a portion of proceeds that relate to a contribution and a portion that is an exchange transaction that relates to services that the organization might be providing, member benefits, uh, news, newspapers, and other things like that. This guidance I've, I've got here, I've provided for your convenience, um, but this is actually old guidance. Um, since con it's important to distinguish between contributions and exchanges, I produced that here in the event that there's some judgments that need to be made in those. The five-step model. So this is the five-step model under the new standard. And here the center of attention is on your contracts. The way it's written, it's meant that you would take each of your contracts through this five-step model or a portfolio of contracts that are similar in nature. The core principle is that revenue is recognized when you deliver a performance obligation or service to a customer. The identification of performance obligations is where things are, where things are new. And so here the, there's a definition that a performance obligation is a promise to a customer. It doesn't sound so bad on the surface, but we are finding as part of the implementation guidance that's coming out is that there are more performance obligations under the new standard than there would have been under the old multi-element guidance. So there's just some new things to think about there. Once you've identified your performance obligations, you then take your unbundled transaction fee and allocate each of the, as each of those services and goods as the, con, as the control is transferred to the customer. And in the new guidance, there's new indicators of when control is decided is transferred, and it could either be at a point in time or over time. A couple of other things within here that are noteworthy because they're different between what we have now and what, where we're headed is that the collectability threshold is now higher. And so things like uh, potentially low quality receivables, you'll actually be reducing your revenue for those transactions. 
One example might be a patient revenue that's in a lower de demographic that you might not expect to get paid. Another new concept in the standard is variable consideration. And variable consideration includes discounts, rebates, um, penalties for non-performance, and milestone payments. And so here, we're inserting a high level of judgment into the amount that you record for revenue. It's not, a, it's not about how much you're billing your customer, but how much you're estimated that you'll collect from them. In addition, there's another new concept here that, that deals with a significant financing component. And so here, if you've got advanced payments from customers or, custo or payments that are happening in arrears, you'll be accounting for the time value of money in those. And so you'll be increasing or decreasing your revenue for, those, for that payment stream. This is a major change. And again, here again, it's built, built in estimates. So um, there's a lot more disclosures that will come with that as well. Even though this revenue standard was about revenue, there's also some guidance here in here about capitalization of certain costs to obtain contracts. So if, if you have an incremental cost that's directly associated with obtaining a contract, you would capitalize that and amortize that over your, over your contract. Um, there was, however, a, a practical expedient that came along after the standard was issued that says if you would amortize it only over one year, you could take a shortcut as a policy election and expense it right away. One example of something that would be capitalized would be a commission expense on a long-term contract. Bid costs are not expected in most cases to meet the definition under the new standard, so that's good news there. The new disclosure requirements, as I mentioned earlier, are quite onerous. And here, um, because there are so many judgments now in the revenue area, the disclosure should be, will be longer. You'll show disaggregated revenue streams. And so if you sell more than one product or service, that might be an area where you would now be disclosing those on a disaggregate basis. In addition, if you have products or services where you're recognizing revenue at a point in time or over time, those things will be shown separately. In addition to that, um, financial statements will now disclose performance obligations. And so you really, here you really uh, will be telling the story of, of your revenue recognition. Um, naturally, because there is so much judgment built in to um, variable consideration, you'll be disclosing how you actually determine those estimates. And in addition, if you have a contract asset or a liability, detailed row folds will be included in your financial statements. A couple actions you can take now. While we have some runway, um, 19 and 20 is, is, is a long way away, there's a reason for the, this time period. It's, it is expected that there should be some time and effort that you'll need to take to go through this new guidance. So things you can, can start working on now is take your most material contracts and take them through the model, or to start with a contract that you think might have more than one performance obligation. Um, naturally, um, consult with your favorite AAFCPA as you go through this process. We're here to help you deal with these and understand all the decisions that need to be made when it comes to your revenue. From an operational aspect, there might be some other things to think about now as as you go through this process um, to educate the users of your financial statements of a, ch of a change that might be coming. In addition, you might want to consider if 
the impact to these changes on your budgets or if you have compensation plans that are affected by the bottom line, that might be something to think through now. The other thing that you could do is consider if um, you could avoid some unnecessary, unnecessary headaches in the accounting by standardizing contracts if you, if you can control it um, because it's basically less, less work and implementation to bring those through the model if they're all the same. Another thing you could, could do is to really take a look at your contracts and, and eliminate any vague language that might be in there about promises that you're making to customers that you may not, they might not even take you up on and you might not even need. It's one less step to worry about. You could also um, consider if, if your service periods could be lined up with your year end, again, just to keep things simple. There's a couple of exposure drafts to watch for nonprofits. Um, this is a FASB Clarity project, so we're not expecting a major change here, but um, they are trying to clarify uh, government grant accounting, again, to kind of get some more consistency in practice since there is some diversity out there for this topic. Uh, we do expect a final standard would be, will be issued at the end of this year. So here I've just published some resources in general for you as you work through the implementation that you'll, you'll, you'll need to visit. There was a time when I actually thought that we would never get a final standard. There's been a lot of movement in this standard. So even in the two years since they've issued a final standard, there is a transition research group, resource group that has worked through just under 100 different implementation issues for the various industries. And all of that information about topics that were discussed are, are in a white paper uh, on the FASTUS website. In addition, there is more guidance coming out. The AICPA has organized uh, 16 industry groups to publish examples, so real, real examples as you go through the process will be very useful. And so we'll keep an eye out, an eye out for that. 